What's going on guys? My name is Aldenero and welcome to a TV show review, I suppose. Is it a review? I don't know. It's one of those things that I did like um with the 13 Reasons Why series where I kind of talk about something scene by scene because I just recently watched the f the latest season of Black Mirror and um it was interesting, like, I really like Black Mirror as a show, I think it has declined in quality slightly since the move to Netflix, but I'm still always really interested in everything that happens in it. Um, I was not a fan of the Bandersnatch thing, but I appreciate it as, um, I guess an experiment, and, um, it didn't go over my head or anything, I just wasn't really into it. Um, season 5 has been interesting because there's three episodes in it, as is kind of typical with Black Mirror. Um, and the first episode and the third episode, that is the Miley Cyrus one, um, and the Street Fighter sex one, um, they have been reviewed really well. And then the second episode, Smithereen, has not been reviewed very well at all. Um, most of the reviews that I read on it kind of criticized it, saying that it was uh, too much build-up for a little reveal, that the there was no twist when they were, they were expecting to see a twist. Um, it didn't deal with technology in a sufficiently Black Mirror-esque kind of way, um, and just stuff like that. And I was really surprised because um, I watched the first one and the third one like those were the orders that I watched them in. Smithereen was the last one that I watched and um, I thought the first one was fine. I thought the Miley Cyrus one was really bad. Um, I, it seemed to be like Black Mirror by numbers, like a real cookie cutter episode. Um, I don't think Miley Cyrus's performance was particularly good. I thought it was clever the way they did like the Nine Inch Nails song um, and, and you know made it like positive. Like that's kind of like that's cute but um Overall, I just wasn't really into the episode. I think it was all stuff that they had already done. Whereas the Smithereen episode, I just found to be actually quite original and um, I guess like a breath of fresh air for the series because it didn't have any weird hokey potential technology. It was something that could absolutely happen in this day and age. And um, I guess I'll just talk about it. I'm aware that like 150 people will watch this and that's it. Um, for those of you who are listening on the podcast feed, I would recommend watching the video just because I'll put screenshots of each scene up on the screen and it might make it easier for frame of reference. Um, also, PSA, there will be heavy spoilers in this because I'm going to basically describe the whole episode. Um, and then say what I think about it because I feel like I took away more from it than the professional critics did and I don't know if that's because they didn't give it enough attention um, or if it's because I have read way too much into it um, and because I'm really pretentious and found things that weren't there or something along those lines I don't know because I don't consider myself to be a particularly smart watcher of television um, but this episode made me feel like I, I don't know I, I had a strong like emotional response to this episode um, and not in a way that I've had to any Black Mirror episode, to be quite honest. I found this one to be the most, um, what's the word? It just had the, the largest impact on me. Like, I welled up in a couple of scenes in it. And I didn't even do that in the, um, whatever the season two one with Donald Gleason is. Um, whatever that one's called. I'll be back or something like that. I'll be right back. I don't know. Um, but anyways, this episode here... 
um, opens up with the scene in which our protagonist, uh, his name is Chris Kilhaney, he's Irish, uh, which is pretty cool. He's played by an actor whose name I hope is Andrew Scott because I'm pretty sure that's what it is, but I hope I'm not wrong. Um, but he's, he's immersed in this meditation lesson from an app on his phone, and he's in the driver's seat of a car that we eventually learn is part of like a rideshare app akin to Uber or Lyft or something like that. And he picks up a passenger and he asks her if she works for Smithereen. And she says she doesn't, but she wishes she did because their facilities, um, their office boasts a spa for its employees. And then she says, that's Billy Bauer money for you. And that's the first um, mention of the episode title when he says, do you work there? And she goes, what's Smithereen? Um, and I think if you've watched Black Mirror before, you're likely to be able to glean that Smithereen is a tech company. Um, like it just fits the typical description of a Google or a Facebook office setup. Uh, with like, you know, um, luxurious benefits for staff such as a spa um, and then just one wealthy figurehead who's in the public eye. Like, I don't know who the CEO of JP Morgan is, but I know like Mark Zuckerberg, I know Jack Dorsey, I know uh, like those types of people, Steve Jobs and etc, etc. So um, it just feels obvious to me that it's a tech company and I think it's supposed to. There's a brief scene afterwards with Chris in a cafe and he becomes very quickly agitated by everything around him. Uh, the focus of the camera is in his face. It's like a close-up and kind of jarring shot because we can't even see his mouth. And the camera work simulates his inability to focus with the droning of phone vibrations and the ticking of button sounds. He quickly leaves, but it's as if he was forced out of the place. He didn't really leave it by choice. And it's obvious early on that this is a guy who's being weighed down by modernity and the particular focus on phones is I guess a trademark of Black Mirror. Um, interestingly the next scene is at a group for survivors of suicide or people whose family members have committed suicide or maybe it's actually not suicide maybe it's just grieving members of the public I guess that would make more sense um, and it's one of those group circles where someone talks and everyone listens and I guess the idea is to find closure and to help each other work through these issues. Um, but we learn uh, kind of shortly after this that Chris doesn't talk at these things, but he goes to them. Um, and we also know that he's a man who has a lot of things on his mind and that he's being weighed down. And I just wonder if the scene that didn't show his mouth, if there's a reason for that, that's something akin to the fact that he's not able to talk or that no one asks him how he is or something like that. I'm not sure, but the scene with the group therapy session features this woman named Haley. Um, and she talks really candidly and painfully about her confusion and her anger and her helplessness following the suicide of her daughter. And it's a really moving piece of dialogue and it makes the viewer really empathize with Haley. Um, I found this uncomfortable to watch. It was a difficult one to watch. Um, when the group is finished, Haley makes contact with Mark. And as the saying goes, one thing leads to another and they do adult stuff together. Um, afterwards, we see Haley rush over to her computer and attempt to log into her daughter's Persona account. Persona appears to be a filler for Facebook in this particular instance, and Haley is desperate to get into her daughter's inbox in case there's any clues to her daughter's death in there. She holds this notebook where she writes down potential passwords and tries three different ones per day, and then she comes back 24 hours later to try it again, and it's really sad. Uh, we get this close-up of the notebook uh, and all the scribbled out attempts at logging in that she's had and it's reminiscent of the writings of a crazy person in a psychological thriller like usually someone writing down that many things in a notebook it implies a certain character type 
in TV and in movies. Like, I think the point is that the lure of this monolithic technological diary of her daughter's life is just far greater than her sense of closure and it's asserting control over her in an unhealthy way. This is a tread that will resurface in this episode and it reminds me of a case from real life that I actually learned about from uh, one of my favorite bands Against Me. They have a song that talks about this but in November 2004 a marine named Justin Ellsworth was killed during a bomb inspection in Iraq and a probate judge granted access of his estate to his family and they were trying to log into his Yahoo email account remember this is 2005 at this point but Yahoo refused to break the confidentiality terms with the deceased and it had to go to a court and it resulted in this huge legal battle for access to his emails um, but the greater discussion was about the kind of property that email is deemed to be. And although this was pre-social media era internet, and while Yahoo were certainly a tech giant of their day, they weren't anywhere near the level of the top companies of today. It's just an interesting side effect of the technological revolution of recent years and how it can impact someone's grieving process in an unprecedented way. Um, Black Mirror tackles these issues pretty well, and I think it does a really good job of it in this episode. Uh, the next scene is our introduction to the other main character of the episode, I guess, who is a man named Jaden, and he works for the Smithereen Company. He's going to the airport, and he looks like he means business with his smart suit and his suitcase, and he gets into Chris's car, and as Chris drives towards the airport, there's a really cool shot showcasing the foreboding when the car drives past the Smithereen logo, which is an exclamation mark. And then there's another cool shot afterwards which shows an aerial view of the car, which is like a really common kind of shot in a driving scene. But this time it's flipped upside down, which symbolizes the way that these characters' worlds are about to flip. Chris tells Jaden that there's an accident up ahead and that he's going to take a back road to the airport. And we know that he has some sinister motives here. Um, and then, as suggested by the fancy camera work, Chris turns around and points a gun at Jaden. He hands him a tie wrap and tells him to bind his hands together, and he gets out to usher him into another car. During this whole process, he learns that Jaden is actually an intern and not some higher up big boss as he initially hoped, and this causes Chris to deliver an immense, fiery monologue questioning how anybody could get a sense of the hierarchy in that company when half the people are coming out wearing Gap hoodies and their interns are wearing suits. It's a really clever piece of black comedy that enhances this scene and gives a further insight into Chris's mentality. Like, we learn that he's definitely anti-technology, and it makes us wonder if that's something that's built into his manifest. It's clear that he's trying to take someone hostage here, which implies there's a ransom demand, but we aren't yet sure if he's like a Unabomber type or a Jack the Ripper type in terms of his agenda or his ideology. After a brief scuffle... Chris covers Jaden's head and shuffles him into the boot of the second car, or the trunk if you're American. But after a momentary crisis of conscience, he changes his mind and lets him lie in the back seat instead. And this happened after Chris learned that Jaden is claustrophobic and it seems to be an act of compassion. This is like the second step in a row of Chris's plan that has gone awry. He meant to kidnap a person in a high position in the company, learned that he was taking an intern during his first week of work nonetheless, um, and also an intern who deals with a psychological condition, and it seems like it's weakened Chris's folly, and it has him at odds with himself. Um, I think that this is important too, because it tells you that this is not the type of guy who does this. Like, it's an important piece of the, of the character portrayal. In the next trick from the Bad Luck playbook, Jaden vomits into the bag on his head, which forces him to sit up in the car. 
And then this catches the eye of a police officer filling up in a petrol station, which is just like about as unlucky as you can possibly get. Um, Chris now has the police zoning in on his plan. The police put on the sirens and they follow him. He pulls over and as the officer steps out of the car, she, she, she preempt, she assumes that Chris is going to drive away and the police play this really well where she puts her foot on the ground, Chris tears off, she jumps back in and closes the door and then the police follow again and the chase through the back roads of the London countryside culminates with Chris swerving to avoid hitting two teenagers on their bikes and he goes off road, the force of the impact ruining the suspension in his car and causing irreparable damage to the chassis meaning the car can no longer drive. Um, I have no idea what a chassis is or whether the suspension is what caused the breakdown, but I thought that that would sound very clever and quite frankly make me seem like a real man. So um, I don't know, I, I just figure I would say that. So hopefully you all think that I know how to change engine oil now. The police approach the car, but Chris emerges with the gun and he tells them to get back or else he'll shoot Jaden. This sets the scene for the rest of the episode, and I think that's why this takes place in Britain, by the way, because if this were the American police, then Chris would be filled with bullets by this point, and Jaden probably would too, and then we'd have no episode, and I don't think anyone would really like that. Uh, Chris takes the bag off of Jaden's head, and he, he tries to find a contact from Jaden that he can call to inform them of the hostage situation, someone in Smithereen. It's obvious that he wants something uh, from Smithereen at this point, and we've, we know that Jaden left his phone in Chris's car when he was trying to call for help earlier on, and then Chris has to figure out another way to call, and he ends up just Googling the number, which is, uh, I mean, I guess that, that makes sense. But we learn from this scene that what Chris wants is a direct line with Billy Bauer, the founder of the Smithereen Company, and Jaden is his bargaining chip to getting him on that line. He knew that to get a direct line with Billy, that he would end up faced with some kind of bureaucratic stonewall, like you can't just call a billionaire. So he had to have something serious going down to make his point and get his attention, and here we are. Uh, in the meantime, the UK police are trying to find out any details about Chris so as to determine a motive or his demands or even his mental state, and the US office of Smithereen scrambled to get control of the situation with the idea of getting Billy on the line being the last thing on their minds. The police presence at the scene increases and the staff at Smithereen find a hit when they run Billy's number through their system. They find his Smithereen account, which has been active for two years. The police then find out the identity of the hostage because a report filed from Smithereen and they gain information on Chris by doing traditional police work like entering his home, identifying clues, talking to his neighbors. And then this is contrasted beautifully by FBI agent Ernesto Cruz calling the superintendent in London and inviting Smithereen to talk on the line where they reveal they already knew everything and they didn't even have to leave the building that they're in. And this is a really good portrayal of how behind the curve police teams can be in the face of the tech giants compiling data on every aspect of a person's life. Like, it's a shocking look at the power of the Silicon Valley companies and the superintendent's face in this scene really showcases the shock and confusion that the old guard institutions have when they realize just how much of a foothold they've lost in the gathering of information. They also reveal that they're listening in to what's happening um, through Chris's phone so they can hear all the dialogue between him and Jaden and they've labeled him as high intellect, low income, which the negotiator of the UK police, his name is David Gilks, 
Um, he describes that profile of high intellect and low income as often angry people. They also reveal that they use their contacts at the Hitcher, which is, uh, sorry, at Hitcher, not the Hitcher, that's the ride sharing app. And they use their contacts there to find out that the cab he's been using hasn't even been registered to him and that it's been parked out smithereen, sorry, it's been parked outside smithereen every day, specifically looking for someone who works there. Again, this is all through the power of big tech, exploiting their relationships with companies and scouring the data they've mined to draw conclusions. They also view his posts to see that he lost his fiance in a car crash and that he's been grieving for quite some time. Then the negotiator, David Gilks, posits a theory that this isn't about money and maybe Chris thinks it's about money but it's actually about status because him and Billy Bauer both have nerdy backgrounds, they're about the same age but Billy has lots of money and nobody cares about Chris and he says what if Christopher thinks he wants what Bauer's got and he has this look of smugness on his face that I would love to slap off. He comes up with this theory, it, it just it makes me automatically hate him and then he goes out to talk to Chris and Chris is having none of him. It's actually kind of like a, it, this scene is like you're happy that the negotiator failed. He cuts right through the negotiator traits. Like he points out like, oh, you're just gonna try and be my best friend and talk me out of it. And then he goes, I'll give you 100 seconds to back away or I'll shoot this guy in the head. And the negotiator's like, oh, I don't think you wanna do that. And Chris goes, okay, 50 seconds. And he starts counting down. And the negotiator gets into his car and drives away. And it's another nail in the coffin of classic police work because Chris saw straight through the act and it showed that David Gilks attempted to pigeonhole Chris into a criminal profile and failed to respect the nuance of the situation. Which I think is like the key theme in this episode, is that everything is far more complicated than you think it is and technology makes us think that everything is more simple than it actually is. Elsewhere in this scene, that I'm not gonna specifically get into all this stuff because I've been talking for 17 minutes already and I <laughs> feel like I'm not really getting anywhere but um, there are snipers on hand for the police. They're angling for a clear shot at Chris, but they're not able to get it without risking Jaden's life. And we learn that Billy is on a silent meditation retreat, which is something that as soon as I saw this part, I was like, this man is based on Jack Dorsey from Twitter. Um, and Billy Bauer appears to basically be a more charismatic version of Jack Dorsey. Um, eventually, the Smithereen staff go to wherever Billy is and they inform him of the situation. There's a call between the FBI, Smithereen and Billy. Um, this is the same FBI agent, Ernesto Cruz. Billy takes the call overlooking a vast canyon draped in Christ-like attire and he's basically an arm stretch away from conjuring the image of Christ the Redeemer. I don't know if that's intentional. Um, and if it's like a subtle commentary on tech CEOs thinking that they're God, but there is a moment where Billy talks about using God mode on Smithereen, so I would guess that that is actually the point. There's also a moment where Chris tells Jaden that the gun isn't real and that he shouldn't worry. Then the police attempt to flank the car and he fires a shot in the air, revealing that the gun is in fact real. This is when he realized um, that he's being listened to the whole time and that the kids next to the police are posting to social media and the event is getting more coverage than he initially thought that it was and that it would. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about that scene because to be honest I didn't find it particularly interesting and I think it was just there to increase the tension because um, while it was all happening a sniper bullet grazed Chris. It might have actually 
properly gone through his arm, but I don't think so because those bullets are huge and he still has his arm intact afterwards. So um, he, he got a wound anyway, he got a gunshot wound, um, but it doesn't really further the story in any way. You could take that whole scene out and I don't think it would make any difference. Um, after hearing all the commotion though, Billy decides that he wants to talk to Chris and he tells Smithereen to cut the FBI agent off the line, which again might just enhance my God theory. Um, that he thinks he's God, and he says, don't tell me what I can and can't do, which again showcases the power that tech companies have over law enforcement agencies. Um, and there's actually real world precedent for that kind of situation too, um, or at least, so there have been incidences that were, uh, how can I put this? I guess thematically related to this, um, where law enforcement and tech companies have collided during in investigations. Like in 2017, a man named Devin Kelly entered a church in Sutherland Springs in Texas and killed 26 people with a, I think, I don't know if he had one gun or two guns. Um, but in the aftermath, the FBI were trying to gather clues to build a case or like determine a motive or figure if he had any accomplices or anything like that. And they attempted to break his iPhone, break into his iPhone, but they were unsuccessful in unlocking it and they reached out to Apple, but Tim Cook said no. He denied them access, just as they did in 2016 with the San Bernardino shooter, Syed Farouk. Um, we actually talked about that on the Midnight Hour at the time. Um, but this episode reminds me of those stories and more or less the wider discussion about user license agreements and confidentiality agreements and what law enforcement should or shouldn't be entitled to access. But anyway, Billy agrees to call Chris and this is what we've all been waiting for. Billy requests that Chris let Jaden go and then they'll talk. But Chris refuses to do this. He says that you're just gonna hang up and then Billy says that he won't and then they get off that point. Chris says he just wants Billy to listen and Billy tells him that he has his attention. So Chris tells Billy that he used to use Smithereen every day, first thing in the morning, last thing at night. He painfully recounts how his fiance Tamsin was also addicted to the app and he tells Billy that he was driving Tamsin home one night on a boring, quiet road and he glanced at a notification on his phone. The distraction caused him to collide with another car and that led to Tamsin's death. The other driver also died, but he was drunk. I guess toxicology tests proved that he was over the limit. Um, Billy was, or sorry, Chris was comforted and received sympathy from everybody, but the guilt consumes him. He feels like he doesn't deserve any sympathy and that he's responsible for killing her over likes on a dog photo, I think he said. While this is happening, Billy gets a series of messages from Penelope at Smithereen, who tells him the basic steps for talking to someone in a hostage situation. And the steps are generic stuff like let him know you're listening and empathize with him. Billy tries to utilize them, but Chris sees right through this and tells him to talk to him like he's a fucking human. And then Billy wrestles with the words he's trying to say. Chris wrestles with his raw emotion, his self-loathing, his undying guilt. And he points out that the apps are designed to be addictive. Um, and Billy laments that the app was never meant to be a product in that way. And he's now just the figurehead of the company at the mercy of a marketing team and that there's nothing he can do to stop it. And Chris stops him and says that he doesn't care. He just wanted to say his piece and that now he's gonna go. Chris tells him that he's gonna let Jaden go and then he's out of here. And Billy begs Chris not to kill himself. He asks if there's anything he can do. And Chris asks if he knows the person who runs Persona. And then we see Haley receive a phone call which with the information that we presume is her daughter's password. Uh, then Chris cuts Jaden free and Jaden pleads with him not to end his life. The two struggle. 
Jaden tries to take the gun from Chris in an effort to ultimately save his life. And elsewhere, Haley hovers over the login button on her daughter's Persona account, and the scenes switch between one another. And then the sniper is cleared to shoot Chris, and Haley hits the enter button as the sniper pulls the trigger, and the screen turns to black, which indicates a fatal hit. Uh, there are some scenes within the credits of, like, I guess life going on elsewhere, free from the hostage scene. And there are little snapshots of people checking their phones and the ways that it draws in their attention. While the song Can't Take My Eyes Off You plays, which is like <laughs> not very subtle. Um, then there's one scene in particular that's interesting where there's a man checking his phone while a mother crosses the road with a stroller. And then the car behind him beeps and he drives forward suddenly as if he's just come out of a trance. Um, and then the episode ends and, and like I found this to be a really powerful episode um, One critical uh, review that I read said something like Andrew Scott does the best that he can uh, With the character available to him and like I, I agree in the sense that he did do his best, but that kind of implies um, Negativity I, I thought that his performance was unreal like I, I really think he captured just a nuanced form of self-loathing where it's like he is technically partly responsible for what happened but like he's not responsible for a drunk driver crashing into them um he was looking at his phone at a time where he thought that it was ultimately safe to do so and while there's no excuse for doing that it's like an understandable thing and it's not something that he should be holding himself down over um it it just deals with these psychological traps um in like a really clever way like I think the point of this episode is that everything is more complicated than you expect it to be but because of social media we have to have dumbed down versions of everything and that's why um, the the negotiator had no way to ever get true to Chris because Chris knew exactly what negotiators do and he knew that because it's like a stereotype at this point that's built up and up and up um, and the the negotiator couldn't tell anything about Chris's thing because he pigeonholed him into um, a criminal profile straight away and just thought that he could try and be his friend and just do the thing that negotiators usually do and nobody appreciated the nuance of anything during the whole episode really like the police didn't understand that the people at Smithereen would have access to that kind of information that they would be so useful with the thing the people at Smithereen ultimately didn't care what the police were doing because they were only looking after their own interests just like the tech companies tend to do um, it's just it's just really interesting I feel like the whole episode was like an attack on people who get their um, Opinions and understanding of the world from reading the headline instead of the actual article like that's kind of what it felt like to me um, Also, Andrew Scott's performance was excellent. He was cold deceptive manipulative and selfish but he was also empathic and compassionate and remorseful and you don't come away from the episode blaming him for what we'll charitably describe as a misdemeanor because we're given the context and we're given like his attempts at redemption and um, and stuff like that like even the the sniper's shot that killed him was again due to a misunderstanding of the situation and a misreading of the situation it wasn't that Chris was trying to kill Jaden um, and wrestled the gun from him to do that it was that Jaden was actually trying to get Chris to not kill himself he was trying to save his life um, yeah I don't know I, I guess I I don't really have the words to describe like why technically I think that this episode was a really good piece of art I just think that if you watch something and it makes you 
feel a certain way or appreciate a, a greater message, then it's really worth watching. And I think that this episode is really worth watching for that reason. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I hope that you all enjoyed it. Um, and if you enjoyed this and hearing me talk about it, then I don't know. Let me know. Leave a comment or whatever. I expect to see approximately 16 likes on this video. Um, and that'll be that. Uh, I'd like to do more stuff like this. Um, but I I don't know why I don't. <laughs> it seems like if it's not 13 Reasons Why, then nobody cares. So I don't know. We'll see. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening. It's um, It's been great to just talk into a microphone again. It's it's like a very difficult thing to, to not do. Uh, much as looking at your phone in any Black Mirror universe is uh, difficult to, to not do. Um, or to do. Okay, whatever. I've talked for too long and now I'm talking nonsense. I've been Elden Arrow. Fuck this.